it's on. All right. Uh, good morning, Urban Village. Um, I'm Victoria. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm the summer ministry intern here at Urban Village Church, Wicker Park. <laughs> Urban Village Church is a church that lives in several places across the city. Wicker Park, Hyde Park Woodlawn, Edgewater, South Loop, and a new possible partnership forming in River Forest, just outside the city. The usual pastor at this site is Pastor Hannah, but while she's away this week, I'll be preaching, and the UVC Director of Discipleship, Juan Pablo, will be here today to celebrate communion with us. Um, and before I begin, I would like to open with a prayer, and if you are the praying type, please join me. Loving God, be in this space, be in the words I share today. Let this message be of you, and if it is not, help us to turn around and seek you again, and know that you are ever-present with us. Amen. Amen. We've spent the past few weeks in a sermon series connected to Broadway musicals, and all the ways we find God in the stories and characters that are presented in that form of art. I know some of you were excited about that. <laughs> um, but this is the first week in a new sermon series about life transitions. And so over the next few Sundays, we'll talk about all the emotions we might experience as we go through times of transition in our personal lives or in the communities that we are a part of with a focus on grief for loss of what was, hope for what is possible, fear of taking risks, and courage to build something new. Some of you might know that Urban Village Church is going through a staff restructuring soon, which is something that the congregation has voted on together and that leaders in our community have been diligently working to prepare for in ways that align with our church's anti-racism values and are considerate of everyone in the community. And just as a note on that, if you are interested in learning more about what that will look like, I know there is a Prezi out there that has all the details and updates are being sent out um, in the weekly e-news every few weeks. Um, but this process is one way that we as a church are moving towards something new, as we feel called, and we're excited to see what God will do with us next. But transitions aren't only something that happens on the level of churches or workplaces or organizations that we may be a part of. Transitions are happening all the time in our own lives and in the lives of our loved ones. Sometimes in ways that feel huge and overwhelming and sometimes in ways that catch up to us slowly that we might only notice when we take a moment to reflect on our journeys. I know that I personally have experienced several transitions over the past couple years. I finished my undergrad in Ohio, and then I left Ohio, where I'd lived my entire life, to start seminary in Connecticut. And then I came here to Chicago for the summer. And now that I feel settled here, I'm getting ready to leave Chicago for Connecticut again. And I didn't fully realize all of these changes until I was an, at an event earlier this summer making small talk 
And when someone asked me where I was from, I didn't know what to say. Do I say Ohio, where I grew up, Connecticut, where I'll be the next couple years, or Lakeview, where I'm living now and had come from that morning? And that moment made me stop and notice that I really was in a different place of my life than I was when I first lived in Chicago a couple summers ago, or even where I was one year ago from today, before I had moved to a new school. And in the lives of my friends and family, I've seen people change degree programs or change career paths that had felt really certain before, or get married or move in with a partner, or welcome a new child into their family or see their children leave the house for school, or maybe begin coming out and exploring and living into identity in a new way, which itself can be a transition point in a person's life. This sermon series is about all kinds of life transitions and about navigating all of the complex, challenging, and beautiful emotions that can accompany them by remembering that God is with us on the journey and is there to meet us as we travel into new chapters or seasons of who we are called to be in the world. This week's focus is on grief for the loss of what was, as this loss relates to moments of transition in our lives. My sermon today will be more about life transitions generally and the loss that can accompany them, whether the transition is brought on by something good or something bad. But before that, I do want to note that Urban Village did have an entire sermon series on death and dying a few months ago, back in October, uh, which is available as a resource if that's a topic you're hoping to reflect on more deeply. Um, and if you feel like you need to leave the space for a moment or talk with someone afterwards, uh, there, will some, there will be someone to talk with you about your experiences. There are a lot of different kinds of transitions and loss that we might experience in our lives. And I hope that in what I share today, you hear something that resonates with your own life and experiences. What transition moments tend to have in common is some form of loss and letting go of what was as we step into something new. Sometimes these moments of transition and letting go are chosen, even if the choice is difficult like stepping away from an unhealthy relationship or just beginning something new in a way that means we need to leave something else behind. And sometimes these aren't, like a friendship you wanted to hold on to, a community you wished you can continue being a part of, or a loved one you wish you had a few more years with. Sometimes transitions are planned, like the graduation from a program or the adoption of a child. But sometimes transitions happen when what we know or what we are comfortable with or what we hoped was guaranteed for us comes crashing down. Maybe that kind of transition looks like the loss of a relationship that you had hoped would continue in your future. In my own life, one moment of this kind of transition happened when a close friendship ended as I became more open with my LGBTQ plus affirming activism. Queer identity became a bigger and bigger point of conflict 
And over time, my best efforts to maintain the same level of friendship only caused me to feel discouraged in the affirming work that I was trying to do. Even though I wanted to hold on, it took letting go and taking a separate path for me to gain the confidence I needed to throw myself fully into the work of building affirming Christian spaces and embracing my own queer identity. Or maybe that kind of transition looks like the loss of a community or organization that mattered to you. Whether it's because that community could not celebrate you for who you are or because you realized the values you held most dearly yourself were not being honored by an organization or because you changed for the better and hoped the community could change alongside you, but it didn't. Those are also moments I've experienced in my own life, like the moment when I first started experiencing doubts about what I believed while I was part of a faith community that valued a certain set of beliefs above all else. I needed to let go of some of my old theology and old practices in order to find faith communities like UVC or like queer Christian friends in undergrad. But even the kinds of life transitions that are chosen and that we mark with celebration can involve letting go of something. And when we are called to let go of something that we have loved or felt comfortable and familiar with, there's still a degree of loss present, even if we might not notice it as much. When you finish a degree at school or move away to start a new job or a new program, you leave behind the life you lived before. The friends you were used to seeing all the time, the professors or mentors you knew, the place you lived, in order to embark on the next season of your life. When a roommate moves out to live with a spouse or a partner, or when a child leaves for college, you might feel really happy and excited for them, but still miss them. Major life events, even if they're positive ones, can involve the loss or change of circumstances we'd been familiar with, circumstances that likely had at least some elements that we had cherished. In any kind of transition, there is some degree of letting go of what was in order to step into the new chapter to which we're called. And grief in this is not something that we choose or don't choose, but a natural response to loss. The journey we take after something that we had valued no longer exists. And people sometimes say that love and grief are two sides of the same coin. Feelings of grief can be a sign that we loved something or someone. And if we allow ourselves the grace of love, we must also allow ourselves the grace of grief. And this isn't about forcing ourselves to feel a certain way, but recognizing and naming whatever emotions we do feel after the loss of something that mattered to us during times of transition. And this grief isn't something to be rushed through, but the scripture passage from this morning about the first Easter Sunday reminds us that we can hold our grief while knowing that we might be experiencing a resurrection moment about to enter into a new chapter of God's activity in our lives and in the world. And you might be thinking it's a little odd that we're talking about Easter right now, and it is the middle of August, um, but we're called to be an Easter people year-round, and God can speak to us through this story in ways that apply to our lives 
in every season. Or as we're thinking about today, as we transition from one season of our lives to another. When we think about Easter, what comes to mind usually? Maybe emotions like joy and wonder, or a sense of triumph with a God whose power is stronger than death and whose love for us can never be destroyed, and those things are all true. But what's often given less attention is Easter grief. The passage for today reminds us that the first Easter Sunday begins with grief. Tom Eric, an Episcopal preach who's, priest who's written for Sojourners, wrote, Easter is born on a river of tears. Easter dawned from the darkness and found its first witness in a woman weeping. When the disciples first saw the angels in the empty tomb, they weren't joyful, but grieving and afraid. In this passage, we see two different responses to grief. Each of the Gospels tells this story in a slightly different way, and the book of John is the only one where we see Mary crying outside the empty tomb. She is overcome with sorrow, and when Jesus comes, she clings to him. But Jesus tells her to let him go, and instead, be with her community, and find comfort with them, and share the news of the resurrection with them. In John's recounting, we don't know whether the disciples are weeping or openly expressing their emotions, but we do know that they've isolated themselves, locking themselves inside a gathering room. Without a description of open crying or mourning, we only know that they are worried and afraid, trapped in uncertainty and inaction. When Jesus arrives, his first message is not a command about what to do next, or even a triumphant declaration of his resurrection. But peace be with you, a means of releasing them to act with the empowerment of peace and freedom as a community together, called into something new. He meets them in their fear, grants them peace to still, to still their anxiety, and then blesses them to go forward. Without him in the way he was with them before, but with all that he has given to them. And I want to sit for a moment in the idea that the disciples were called to move forward in a new way, but could not return to the way their lives had been before. Jesus' friends and family probably wished for everything to just go back to the way it was before the cross, for Jesus to continue teaching and performing miracles and guiding them. They probably wanted him to continue living alongside them and to lead them in a way that would cause an end to the Roman forces that have been oppressing them. But that's not what happened on Easter. Even though the resurrection happened and Jesus was alive again, there were still lots of reasons for the disciples to grieve the change in relationship. The resurrection led to something new and challenging and wonderful but the disciples could never return to what life was like during Jesus' worldly ministry. And in this passage, when Jesus comforts Mary and tells her to spread his message, the good news he specifically asks her to share is not the news that he is risen, but his declaration, I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. 
And when Jesus visits the disciples in the locked room, he doesn't tell them that he's back to stay forever, but he sends them forward to continue his ministry in the world as he's with them in a new way. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. In this Easter story, the good news is not that things will go back to normal, but that things are moving forward. Jesus' return makes new life for this community possible. An Easter may begin with grief, but the story ends with hope and new possibility. The cross marks the end of the incarnation, but it is not the end of God's work in the world. In an Easter sermon, the pastor Robert Browning said the following, Easter is about starting over when you thought all hope was gone. This is because grief is always connected to hope for Christians. Mary discovered this outside the empty tomb that morning and came to realize that when Jesus uttered on the cross, it is finished, he did not mean it is over. There was more to this story, much more, and it would change her life forever. And one note to borrow from Pastor Hannah's sermon a few months ago against the phrase, everything happens for a reason. The Easter story is not telling us that everything that happens in our lives is something that God made happen or wanted to happen. Some life transitions are chosen and celebratory, and some life transitions happen as we navigate unexpected losses we have experienced. But in the words from that sermon, the resurrection is a message from God that says, even crucifixion cannot stop me from working all things towards the good. Nothing can stop me from working all things towards the kingdom of love and good and justice that Jesus has announced. And the promise Jesus gives when he returns to the disciples in this passage is that he will never leave them or forsake them. And that even if the future they find themselves entering looks different from what they imagined it to be, or even from what they hoped it would be. He will be there with them along all the new paths through which they are led. So what can that Easter story mean for us in the here and now? Looking towards new hopes and possibilities for the future as we experience life transitions towards our own resurrection moments doesn't mean we need to dismiss the emotions we feel as we acknowledge everything that the transition might mean letting go of. But it might mean recognizing and honoring everything we've cherished from before and naming the sense of loss we feel even as we begin to figure out what new chapter lies ahead of us. It might mean checking in on your friends who you know have experienced changes in their lives even weeks later, when it might seem like everyone has forgotten and moved on. As a culture, we're not always great about doing either of those things. But sometimes rituals and resources and community from our faith can be a source of help. From my own experience, there's a Filipino Catholic tradition that when a person dies, there's an initial funeral service, but then 40 days after the death, there's another prayer service. And one year later, there's a big gathering celebrating the person's life. My grandfather on my mom's side of the family, the Filipino side, lived to be 103 years old. 
And since he and my grandma lived with us, he spent his last few weeks at home. Forty days after he had passed away, after the point where, as our society shapes us to do, most people stop checking in on the family, a bunch of relatives came to our house and prayed together and sang together and shared a meal. And that event was a moment that helped us in a continuing time of transition. As we shared how we were doing now that it had been a month and what felt different about our lives since then. It also showed me the importance of community and providing support and presence. Finding new sources of community and supportedness can also feel important when we experience the loss of a community. Earlier this year, an organization that had been providing me with an affirming spiritual home made a major shift tied up with values of white supremacy and when called out about this, continued on without admitting the wrong and without taking steps to make things right. And in my own life, moving forward from that event into the kinds of activism and community I felt led to next, meant letting go of how things were before and stepping into a future that was uncertain. And I found that the spiritual home that I had found was still there. The resources and friendships were still present, but just in a different form. And the space that friends held for me to process gave me community along the way. As we strive to be community for one another, as people in our lives experience all kinds of change and transition, maybe we can send a random encouraging text to the family member who just left home and started college, or to the friend who's starting a new job and has been struggling with feelings of not being good enough. Or maybe we can ask the friend who just moved away about how they're settling into their new location maybe set up a FaceTime, or invite a friend who just experienced a breakup or a lost friendship to dinner, or send a card to a loved one who lost a family member, maybe even a month after the funeral. Next week, the sermon will be about hope for what is possible in life transitions, about how even as we are led into new places of uncertainty, God is there to meet us in every part of the journey that we may find ourselves in. And as we prepare for that message, I want to quote an Easter sermon by the pastor Beth Neal. She says, the question Easter asks of us is not do we believe in the doctrine of the resurrection, but have you encountered a, a risen Christ? And so, in the midst of loss and change, as we experience times of transition in our lives, where might the risen Christ be present? What does it mean to live as a people who proclaim resurrection in this way? Can we honor what has been the love and joy that we received in the last chapter of our lives, which came before, but follow God to what is next for us? As we ready ourselves for the various transitions that we are facing in our lives, in our communities, and as a church, can we open ourselves to carrying forward the work that is ours to do and the lives that are ours to lead? Um, 
I'm going to close with a prayer. Um, and if you are the praying type, please join me. Loving God, when we and the people that we love go through times of transition in our lives, help us to recognize and honor what has been, to let go of what we are called to let go of, and to enter into whatever new chapter, whatever new life or resurrection that you are calling us to. Help us to be community for one another, there for each other in times of transition and loss and change, and help us to remember and remind each other that you are with us all along the way, no matter what part of the transition we find ourselves in, and in whatever lies for us next, to feel comforted 